Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 27 of the 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. So who are your hosts? Yes, we are here, day 27. I don't really even know what day it is, but I guess it is day 27. Today we hear from two amazing writers, Suchi Saraswat and Stacy Mattingly. They're discussing autofiction. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Suchi Saraswat is a writer and editor based in Boston. Her work has appeared in Agni, the Boston Globe, the Boston Art Review, Echotone, Coffee House Writers Project, Tin House Online, Aerosmith, and elsewhere. For 10 years, she worked as an independent bookseller in Massachusetts. So we've got another wonderful bookseller with us, past bookseller. During the time she founded the Transnational Literature Series at Brookline Booksmith, a reading series focused on stories of migration and works in translation. And in 2019, she served as a judge for the National Book Award in Translated Literature. She's now the associate editor and co-nonfiction editor at the literary journal Agni, and she teaches classes in creative nonfiction at Grub Street. Stacey Mattingly is co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Unlikely Angel, an Atlanta hostage story, now a feature film called Captive. Her work has appeared in Guernica, Literary Hub, Oxford America, Off Assignment, Europe Now, and elsewhere. In 2012, she launched the Sarajevo Writers Workshop in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and later helped lead the first narrative witness exchange for the University of Iowa International Writing Program. So she's done the both of these folks have done a lot of cool stuff and Atlanta native Stacy teaches at Boston University, where she received an MFA in fiction, and she is an assistant professor at Berkeley College of Music, her recently completed first novel is set in the present day Balkans. All right, ladies. Suchi, I'm going to start off with you. We're going to start with a quick definition of autofiction because no one actually knows what it is. (laughs) Yeah, so. Okay, so let's see a quick definition. Um, I mean, if we're just thinking in sort of craft terms, I would say it's a first person novel that um, often has a metafictional element in the in the sense that the narrator is often a writer. Um, I don't think that's a requirement of it, but there is this link between the narrator of the novel and the author writing the novel that feels that is very apparent to the reader. Um, and so it introduces this sort of metafictional quality. Um, however, I like this term um, that the writer Adam Coleman uses, um, which is essayistic fiction. And that feels a little bit more um, appropriate to what I what I enjoy about, about the autofictional novel, if that's kind of the term we're using, um, in that it's um, a chance for the narrator to engage with um, the real lived world and um, things that have happened in in the world um, through essayistic means. So it's through literature or film or um, history, and and so there's this es- essayistic feel or dimension to it. So that's that's a term I like, and I think that they're they're kind of they sit beside each other, um, and there there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, great, Stacy. How about you? Yeah, I I think I I kind of um, embrace the way Shuchi's described it. I I also think even within this term, and this is why the term is murky. There's room for so much movement and flexibility. So, for instance, um, we might enjoy a book that that falls under that category that starts in the first person, but the p- point of view is incredibly fluid. Um, you know, oftentimes the preoccupations of what what is called 
autofiction um, have to do with interrogating the self, interrogating memory, interrogating um, the past. And so oftentimes you'll see uh, shifts in point of view. It might begin in first person, but that past self might um, start to be referred to in the third person, um, mm -hmm. just as a way perhaps to externalize the self and to grapple in a different way. Um, there's a wonderful um, novel by a Bosnian writer, Sanka Maric, that's recently out in English translation in the UK by Celia Hawksworth. Um, and, and Sanka herself refers to this work as autofiction. Um, and it's written in the second person, second person address. Mm -hmm. um, the narrator has received a breast cancer diagnosis, walks through that process and um, tries to integrate memories, um, bits of the past of childhood to, to try to integrate the self, but it's a second person self-address. So, so that's, that's um, you know, something else that one might see. So the term is so fluid as Shuchi mentioned, um, and I do love the sort of essayistic, the sort of border crossing boundary breaking kind of approach that you can find. Um, in autofiction, as Shuchi said, a way to engage the world, to ruminate, to to um, bring in bring in a whole sort of set or layer uh, layering of of thought and ideas and subjects. So great. And yeah. Shuchi, so um, and we're already getting questions in the chat. You know, other other examples of autofiction, and maybe move with that to what you, attracts you about it and and how you like to use it. Yeah, um, so some contemporary examples. I see someone has mentioned Karl Ovo Knausgaard's um, six-part novel um, that came out, oh gosh, um, like five, six years ago, probably a little longer than that. Yeah. Um, and I would say that's a, and that came out in translation um, from the Norwegian. So that's a recent example. Another would be Rachel Cusk and her outline trilogy. Um, I don't know if that's what it's called, but the three books are outline, kudos, and um, transit. And um, so there's, there's, those are two fairly recent ones. Um, I think, you know, the, the tradition does go back quite a bit further. And um, some say it really, it, it began as a kind of Japanese um, form of a confessional novel or an I novel. And so one that was um, really, it's on my desk, but I haven't yet read it, is called An I Novel. Um, by Manet Mizumura, um, and that was recently translated into English um, by Juliet Winters Carpenter, um, and I think that came out in the early, say the early 90s, mid 90s? Yes. Um, so um, the, those are a few, and, and the tradition goes even further back, some say to the pillow book of Sai Shonigan, which is like, you know, 11, 1100s or something, so um, I would, it, it's fun to kind of explore that that trajectory um, in the Western sense. I think probably Proust would people would say would be the beginning of of that kind of writing. Um, so what draws me to it um, is, you know, I I think when I think of it as I think of it as sort of a form breaking. Um, tradition in, in that it is not falling neatly into a genre or a category that um, is, is sort of defined by others or by an academy. It's sort of, it's sort of falling in this little in-between space and can move between modes. And I think that's really attractive to me. I think it, it makes me feel really free in writing fiction. I, there are some, you know, 
especially starting out when you're when you're starting a new novel project, there is sort of this whole tradition of, oh, I am writing a novel with a capital N. And there's something about this idea, well, wait, I can just take something from my life and start from there and fictionalize that and see where it goes. And it there's there's a looseness that that um, I get as a writer that kind of makes me feel like, let me just play around and do whatever I want. And maybe it will be a novel and maybe it won't. But um, be, the second I start fictionalizing, it's going to be a novel, um, but it takes away that sort of big capital N novel that can be so intimidating and feel like it's hovering, you know, behind you, especially if you're a reader or um, someone who really has spent a, their whole life reading novels. Um, that tradition can be so intimidating. And so for me, it's very freeing um, to think about it in that way. That, that is something to bring up. If you have, and like you've worked in bookstores, you're, you're, you're also an academic, um, you know, if you have a background of really looking at these works and reading these works, it can build up a kind of wall of, no. of influence um, that can be, can get you stuck. Stacey, how about you? Why are you drawn to this form? You know, I feel um, sort of, viscerally drawn to work that is engaged in a kind of unearthing, a kind of search. Um, I think a lot of the books I'm drawn to, um, for instance, I mean, I, I have some books here. Um, I can, I can just name a few contemporary writers. Um, the Nobel Prize winner, Annie Ernaux, another uh, Nobel Prize winner, Patrick Modiano, a uh, French mm -hmm. writer, um, Marguerite Dura, um, as I said, uh, some some works out of Bosnia that I really love, Body Kintsugi by Sanka Matic, and My Heart, also translated by Celia Hawksworth, which came out from Catapult, um, I want to say a couple of years ago by Semezdin Mehmedinovic. But these books are written as kind of um, a very conscious process um, a process to get to the heart of something that really remains elusive, something very mysterious about life. Mm -hmm. um, so it may be that that a work circles around, a set, as I said, a set of memories that are very um, complex and need to be probed. And so the the works might sort of, um, you know, there might they might be structured in an associative manner. So there's a sense of of the unconscious as structuring the book. We're we're tracking with the way the unconscious is delving into these memories or time of life. Um, you know, or to use another example, I referenced Patrick Modiano. Um, in those works, the narrators are often walking a lot, moving around a place. And so place and its atmosphere has is kind of a gateway into the past and into this kind of um, pressing towards some mystery, something that cannot really be uncovered. Um, and, you know, this this process, you know, and, and it can be this process can be very inward, very internal. It can also be manifested very externally. Um, uh, Shuchi and I have talked about um, Teju Cole's book, Open City, which I know that you know Shuchi has a long acquaintance with. Um, in that book, the narrator Julius is externalizes so much. We are, the the mind of the narrator is is a thinking mind. Is is thinking about issues. Is thinking about music. Is engaging in conversation. So it's more. There, it's it. I I would say it's on a different sort of end of the spectrum of this sort of searching and delving mode that I just find so attractive. Mm -hmm. um, 
and also these books integrate a lot of things, photographs, documents, archives, um, just to, 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 it's just very billowy, the, the, yeah. this, this form. And, um, but it's ultimately for me, that probing, probing mind um, mm -hmm. and, and the, the effort to get to mystery, which cannot really be discovered, uncovered or parsed because we know in fragments, we know in part, and that is how we are in our human existence. So I'm just very moved in that way. Nice. I think um, if you, can I just respond? Yes, quick? please. Um, I, you know, I think it's really one of the, the I like this idea of, of searching being sort of at the core of, of this, this form rather than the identification of, of the self, because I would say like Open City, for example, I wouldn't call that autofiction necessarily because I don't, I don't think that the author calls it that. And I don't think that it's supposed to be coming directly from his life or he has not made that particular link, at least as far as I've heard, but certainly others have applied that term to it. And I think essayistic fiction works so well in that particular way, because it is, again, it's that searching, it's that questioning it's very based on reality it feels like it is transposed right from the world that we live in um it's new york city and new york city is um i mean it's it's down to the streets that he's walking in new york city right so it is in that way very much pulled from the real world but um but i think yeah there is that that in autofiction there's always that question of the i and who is the i is the i actually the author or not and um some people really choose to emphasize that element of it um right. whereas other writers i think are just kind of pulling from from the li the, the lived world and their lived experience and not fixating on the link the i link um so i think it's just an interesting thing to think about as far as you know who's applying the label autofiction is it the reader or is it the writer Right. Um, and for writers, what does it do for us when we decide that maybe that's the mode we're playing in? Does that change something to how we approach the work? Yeah. And essayistic fiction, I mean, you know, the term essay also means to try. Um, so it's, it has that, that, that idea of searching embedded in it. Um, what does the fiction part grant this form? Stacey, what do you think? Um, because yeah. some people might just say, well, why don't you just write a memoir? Why don't you just write? You know, I tend to not get too hung up on that. Um, I think um, I just I just begin to write. And oftentimes then, you know, I, I might find myself starting, finding a starting point that I understand as something I may have experienced or seen, engaged with. And then I just let my imagination take over. So, so then there's invention and there, there are other things happening. So I don't, I don't tend to get too preoccupied um, in that way. Um, and I do think just as was just mentioned, um, you know, authors may or may not call their work autofiction. It's just a murky term. What, what are we setting out to do? And I think as, as writers, um, you know, it's, we're setting out to, to make something and to explore something and to, to play and to, to work. And I think sometimes it's less useful for me to understand what it is when I start, but to just move into it. Um, I do want to just add some other things about books that might fall under this heading or or the under the under the sort of description preoccupations that we're talking about. Um, another aspect that really I find very interesting and compelling is the way that these books move across time. 
Um, I think I, I love the play with time because we don't we don't live in linear time. We do in some ways, but but time is very complex. And I think these books also take a lot of um, they, they they move freely across time and they allow um, verb tenses to shift, um, emotions and unconscious associations to guide, as I mentioned earlier. So it gives way to a very a structure that is so um, porous and and interesting. And that too, um, that too compels me and, and, and not to, not to steer, you know, not to, not to sort of take this in a different direction, Michelle, I know you were asking about fiction, but, but I think also just the liberty that we have, the freedom that we have to, to let time kind of become a, a kind of an amorphous thing that, that it is. And in fact, that that's what it is. Yeah. Um, that, that also gives me incredible pleasure as a writer. Um, it's, it, I just take all the, li all the lids off, all the, all the, all the constraints off and, and kind of let the work when I start just move, move all over time, um, move across subjects, you know, and, and see what it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Suchi, we have, so, um, some questions from the chat. When you write autofiction, do you get any pushback from family members? Do they see the fiction part? I mean, are they, do, do, do people think, oh, you're right. Well, I think in fiction, even I write think it every, they think so no matter what, you're going to have that problem, right? Oh yeah. People always want to read themselves into what you're writing. I think family, yeah. especially they, they, they want to see themselves in there and then they want to push back. I don't think you can really avoid that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. either form and you just have to I mean I know with you know this is a question that comes up constantly with memoir and with essay which I've, I've taught and, and no one has an answer other than you just sort of own it as your own truth um, and that you're not creating an objective account of a person but a truly subjective account and I think you, that probably would apply to autofiction as well this is one fictionalized characters interpretation of, of people and um, through their own lens and their own mood and their own history. Um, and it's not meant to be an objective account of anyone. Um, as my, I, I don't know if that really, if that helps, I, I just think that's, that's one of the risks we take as writers is, um, you know, yeah. there's always, there are people who are going to not love what we write, or they're going to feel hurt by it or wounded by it. And that's, that's where some of the, the really hard work of this comes in. Yeah. And then another question, and I think you're edging on this, does autofiction give us a kind of authority to say what we believe, what we feel? Does it give us a pass? Hmm, that's really interesting. I think it can for some writers, sure. Um, for some who feel like maybe the essay form is um, is too revealing, um, you know, and it, and it feels too aligned with um, with them as a person moving through the world, um, and and they don't they can't even maybe express themselves fully, um, and so fiction maybe allows them to channel a, a certain strain of themselves, a certain a part of themselves that they would like to separate maybe from the person who moves through the world. So I I think yeah I think it can for some writers. I mean I don't know I think some writers really want to be connected to the opinions that they're expressing on the page, right? So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to, to address your earlier question, Michelle, about what does the, what's the fictional side of this, right? Um, I mean, I think 
when you're writing an, an essay or a memoir, there is an attempt at least to stay as as factual as possible. Um, and I think as far as um, chronology or events, or if they're, if you're playing around with what happened, um, the memoirist or the essayist is at least addressing that. And in fiction, there there is no um, the truth that's being accessed is something else. It's not it's not factual, and it's not according to how things happened and in one, what order. So I think, um, as Stacy was saying about time and being um, the fluidity of time that can that can um, that you get to play around with in in an auto fiction. I think that's that that holds true to me too. I, I think that. Um, there's a little bit less, or, or there's a different kind of play with time that happens in uh, in memoir and non in essays than in novels, and then in autofiction, time seems to be a new kind of element that you can play with in a, a totally different way. Right. Excellent. Um, Stacy, so you've just been finishing a novel that took place in Bosnia, um, and it it kind of edged on autofiction, but it kind of didn't. I mean, what was your experience in finishing that book? Yes, you know, I think um, I think all of my work it somehow um, takes on some of these preoccupations of autofiction. It's just the way I am in the world, mm-hmm. um, and I do see, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about in all writing. I mean, poetry, for instance. Um, a lot of poetry you can see in, in a lot of that work, you can see these kinds of preoccupations. Um, and I do have a poetry background. So I, I feel that all of my work is going to have some kind of a delving aspect, some kind of, um, some, some aspects of this kind of work are going to be in it. Um, the, the work I just finished, um, which is, uh, narrated in the first person, um, does make use of some of this kind of taking a part of the self. There's a real reckoning, um, some some choices this narrator makes that they then have to really reckon with. Um, and so so I think those aspects do do kind of really inform the work. Um, so finishing the book, <laughs> I also, you know, was was doing all kinds of other things. I mean, I think, we just don't know how a work's going to unfold until we're just writing it, you know, and, and oftentimes we're just not conscious necessarily of all these tools um, that we are now talking about. We just are in ourselves, in our bodies writing, but I think a, a deep kind of approach to reading and thinking and, and sort of pouring into ourselves the things that, that move us Um enables us then to have access to, to tools and things to, we wouldn't realize we have access to. Those things surface when we need them, help us to solve problems. Um, so I just wanna again, stress the importance of reading. Um, but I'm currently working on a book that's sort of a hybrid of, of kind of auto-fictional approach, an auto-fictional approach yeah. and like a very propulsive plot as a spies involved. So it's, I, I don't really know how that's going to, to, to weave together, but you know, I, I think, I think we get inside the work and we feel our way in, but the more the more tools we have in in us, um, in our unconscious, I think the better. Um, yeah. Sometimes we solve things consciously and sometimes we don't think we solve them unconsciously. 
Right, right. And Suchi, you're moving from the essay form to working on a novel. Um, is Are you like leaving behind completely the essay form or is the novel have some aspects of this? Well, so I actually have been um, working on this novel um, on the side while writing essays over the last um, year and a half. And, um, and I had started, you know, my MFA and sort of what I was really focusing on was fiction. Um, so um, I guess the last couple of years, they've just sort of been living beside each other. And um, in this way where I, um, I wasn't sure what the book project was going to be only that I kept returning to it and adding to it. Um, and it felt um, like something that could possibly be a novel. So now as I'm starting and I've sort of finishing up some essays and putting it aside and then just um, sitting and focusing on this. I, I think it's certainly arising from that essayist's um, self, you know, it's, um, I, I have that approach entering into it. I don't know that it's going to stay that way. I think as I start fictionalizing it, it may become something else. Um, so, and, and the fictionalizing is already starting. Like I, it's already moving away from whatever nearness to my own life or my own experience into something else. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, I will definitely go back to essays. I think it's, to me, the, essay, the, the forms are very similar, um, in the freedom that they both, um, accommodate. And so, um, when I, when I think in a shorter form, I think in an essay form. Um, and so I, I can't imagine ever stop that. I would ever stop writing essays. Um, yeah. as you know, it's a different thing. Novel is a huge, is a huge commitment and you're sort of, lost to it for a couple of years or however long it takes to even get a draft out. And, um, yeah. and I say it kind of feels like I can at least sort of, you know, it, it's shorter bursts of time. <laughs> what I love is that both of you are allowing yourself the freedom for the project to become what it needs to become. And you're following what's on the page and you're following what just, just simply comes out instead of these prescribed ways of it prescribed structures, prescribed ways of thinking about these things. Cause I, um, do find that I have several novelists that I worked with and they simply do not work with the those structures. It just doesn't make sense to them. It's not the way they think. Um, so, so allowing this to just, allowing the work to become what it needs to become based on what is just happening on the page without even like pre-planning it too heavily um, is, is works so, so well. So both of you are teachers. If, if, um, if a student wanted to kind of play with this stuff, what would you advise them if they're putting a little foot into the idea of autofiction? And again, I know that that idea is is, is difficult even to um, define. But what would you what would you advise to them? Did you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, what you know? What are you thinking about? Um, what sort of what's happening in the world that is? Um, getting your mind going that you would like to spend more time with on the page. Um, what is, you know, whether it's the place that you live in or it's um, a certain person that you've met that you would just like to spend more time with or a film that you would like to enter and think about in a new way or a piece of art that you've seen. Um, so I just, it, it's sort of the same advice I give an essay is sort of how do you process the world? What's the way that you sort of understand the world? And we all have these, these, um, places we go to kind of that, that, that help us, um, respond to our, our emotions, our, our, um, feelings. And, um, 
and yeah, go there and sort of and 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 start to bring it into your fictional character's life or into the world that that the novel takes place in. Stacey, um, I would just yeah, I would just add. I I think it's so useful to to have a practice of free writing in some way or journaling, um, and just to give yourself some prompts because all kinds of things will come out of you, um, and that 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 body of I will call it a body of work that it's sort of an accumulating sense of what is the inner conversation taking place within you and and start there um as you know you can you can take an object and just free write about it <laughs> you can take anything as uh should you mentioned a piece of art anything at all and and see where it leads you and and if you do that regularly you will tune into your inner conversation which i think really is the starting point I love that. I love that. Okay, we're going to have to let you guys go. Uh, for everyone, you can find our full March writing challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Subscribe there for updates and to take part in the discussions. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that other listeners can find us. All right, ladies, are you going to be able to get some writing done today? Yes. The answer is yes. 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 I'm at my desk now. I'm going to write right after this. So. Party at her desk. Okay. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone is at their desk because it is time to write.